Hey there, and welcome to Polyamory Uncensored, a podcast where we, your hosts, Lindsay Miller and Katie Williams, interview a poly person each episode, and we try to answer the five tenets of journalism, who, what, when, where, and why, as it pertains to our poly lives. You are listening to episode 17, where we chat with Kayla. Stay tuned as we delve into the good, the bad, the ugly, and the just plain complicated truths about our poly lives. All right, Kayla. So who are you? Hi, I am Kayla. I use uh, they, them pronouns, um, non-binary, overall, just a cool person. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Um, So what drew you to polyamory? Um, So I don't necessarily use the word polyamory to describe myself. I like to say... I'm kind of non-binary in a lot of senses, so in my gender, um, in my um, love life, in a lot of different ways, I describe myself outside of that kind of polyamory, monogamy, dichotomy, I guess you could say. Um, So I, what drew me to non-monogamy, so ever since I was even young, I feel like I have always had a really hard time differentiating between like friendship, romance, and like I feel intimacy with folks in a way that is just all in one way, I guess. Um, so I always had this this kind of blurred line between, oh, my friends are really cute, and like also I feel like romantic feelings for folks in maybe a different way than some other people do. So I think like even though I am relatively new to non-monogamy, I've always had this kind of like blurred line there too. Um, I started really calling myself non-monogamous last December. So that's like four, five months ago. Um, when I went to my first play party, um, which I can talk more about later, but that was really like my first official entry. But I've been in relationships that were technically monogamous but yet I always uh, kind of didn't fit exactly monogamy. So I would, I guess, without breaking the rules, just um, in general, wasn't monogamous. So like making out with different people, flirting with different people, having these really intense online relationships with different people in ways that a lot of monogamous people I think would say is like, whoa, I wouldn't be as comfortable with that or whatever, but with the consent of my partner. So I guess in a way you could say I've almost always been non-monogamous if we're looking at like very strict definitions. Um, So I guess that would be. (laughs) That's a great answer. Hmm. Uh, What does polyamory mean to you? Or non-monogamy. Yeah. Um, What does it mean to me? Um, I think it just means allowing myself to not, again, be defined by something so strict as monogamy or polyamory um, and just really letting my relationships be authentic and letting them develop themselves. Um, So like I have a lot of friends who I have had, I've played with or a lot of people who I have flirted with and so I'd say like that freedom um, and just lack of strict boundaries around that. I mean obviously every relationship has its own established boundaries and you negotiate that with individuals that you have that relationship with. 
but um, without having to be like, oh, you're just a friend, so I can't love you in this way, or you're just a friend, I, I can't imagine playing with you, or if we did, it means something else. That, I think, is what I really like about non-monogamy, is that it's less defined, um, and just in general allows more expression of a wide variety, a spectrum, you might say, of mm -hmm. different feelings for different people without limitations, and that's really great. Do you find anything difficult about practicing non-monogamy? Oh, yeah, I mean, I think it would be uh, dishonest to say, like, oh, this is always great, and I'm sure uh, other folks have talked about that, too, but, um, I mean, I've learned a lot about myself in the past four or five months as I've done this, and um, that's really been eye-opening. Um, I recently did a project actually with you, Lindsay, too, um, where I was interviewing people on, uh, I'm a graduate student, so I was interviewing people for a class uh, about their self-perceptions and how that has changed um, as they have explored their non-monogamous identities. And so looking at like how this affects your sense of self and self-esteem as I'm going through that process myself um, and really learning about like, oh, this is the kind of love that really resonates with me and sometimes um, maybe I need more of this type of thing that my partner doesn't necessarily naturally won't gravitate towards. But this other person is really giving in that way and we really can connect more in that way. Um, so learning about that um, has been really interesting but challenging as I've like almost had to redefine some things I've thought about myself um, and that's really vague but I mean okay. I, um, jealousy is always a, a thing too and as my partner has explored more that's always something that is new and it's 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 really interesting to kind of almost step back and say this is normal this is a fine feeling I just have to figure out ways because it's so new, to cope with it. Um, so I think that would be what I would say about challenging. Um, so you already talked about uh, when you kind of came to polyamory, but would or, or non-monogamy, but uh, when do you feel like you were maybe different than, say, the default average yeah. person? Yeah, so I'm queer as well, and so in a lot of different ways, I've always been really different. Um, I was kind of the odd one out in my family, in my town. I, um, I actually had a really interesting childhood. I um, never went to a school for more than three years, just throughout my entire life, so it's been really always in um, kind of like what's next in transitional phases, kind of. Um, so I found out I was different really early on, just in like realizing um, that I moved around a lot, you know, in that way, but also that my identities were really transitional. So like I said, I'm non-binary, so sometimes I feel really femme and I'm very like much more in tune to woman feeling. But then other times I'm feeling very gender neutral and very androgynous. And so I use the word gender fluid to describe myself. Um, and so in that way, I think that also relates to um, how I was weird, you know what I mean? Um, just since I was younger, I've just always been different. I don't know if that answered the question as it relates to non-monogamy as much. Um, but I don't think everybody necessarily, for example, 
had crushes on most of their friends when they were growing <laughs> up, like I did. Um, or even when I had a crush, I would just see them as a valuable friend. And it wasn't like, I want to date you. I'm just like, you are so interesting and cool and we connect in such a great way. Um, so I think that I noticed that I had more intense connections with people. Um, and I think that that does relate to that um, eventual identity that I uh, picked up on of non-monogamy. I think I actually, um, like all throughout high school, I questioned if I was asexual because I didn't have crushes on my friends or people at school. The only crushes I had were on fictional characters. <laughs> so I'm like, I really love all of the characters of Buffy, but I don't really see myself being with literally any of these people. Uh, and that was also a product of living in a tiny town where I'm related to half the people. So, you know, like that'll, that'll make it a little bit less easy to have crushes on people. But yeah, it wasn't until I think I moved to Milwaukee where I was like, oh yeah, you can have crushes on your friends. And, um, it like, I don't know, for some people it makes things a lot more complicated for others. It's like, a lot more fun. Yeah. Well, I definitely had a lot of friendships that were, you know, in retrospect, we may have called them friendships, but they were not traditional, narrowly defined platonic friendships. Right. You know, and sometimes we even admitted it, but I had a lot of really heavy duty denial and tunnel vision. I'm like, oh, no, just because we're making out doesn't mean we're not just friends. <laughs> right. And beyond physical, too, a lot of my friendships, I, I you know, I'd be really just emotionally intimate with in a way that I think some people don't as much and I would have multiples of that going and in a lot of ways too because I'm queer I think um, I had a strained relationship with my family so my friends were also my family so it's almost like mm -hmm. all of these um, different kinds of really intense connections meant that that was a little outside of the normal. That makes sense. So where would you say that you are on your non-monogamy <laughs> journey? Yeah. or exploration <laughs> um i'd say i'm in a great place uh i know it's it's hard to say because i just started using the language around it but like i mentioned it's been kind of consistent it's one of those things where i look back and i was like oh well this is kind of always who i've been even though mm -hmm. i'm just now calling myself that um so i think i'm at a point of learning about myself and um really exploring and allowing myself to explore whatever that means um, in a way that I, I didn't necessarily think I could do before because I put a lot of like, oh, this wouldn't probably work for my relationship. I've been um, actually in terms of definitions uh, in two monogamous relationships that were both very long term before we opened up our relationship most recently. I was in a four and a half year monogamous relationship, which was, like I said, not entirely monogamous. Mm -hmm. um, and then right after that, a month later, I'm now in the same relationship with someone for over three and a half years. So most of my life has been in this kind of like monogamous, but not long term relationship blurb. Are you familiar with Dan Savage's term monogamish? Yeah, and <laughs> that probably would have described me pretty well before, and now I'd say it's a little bit beyond-ish and yeah. <laughs> more into definitely. <laughs> that makes sense. So where do you hope to go in your poly or non-monogamy journey? That's a great question. Um, I'm not sure. I love the idea of having this be open. I've really started to 
meet a lot more people who are non-monogamous or polyamorous, that has been amazing because connecting with these people who are further along or have been out for longer or not out but identifying as non-monogamous for longer has really been such a beautiful thing to see how people grow through this um, and just hearing people's journeys. Um, so I'm not sure. Yeah, I think like I love the idea of an undefined future and where any of this could go and now the possibilities of the connections I make with people are kind of limitless and that's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. So you've talked a lot about kind of why you are non-monogamous and that, but um, why did you agree to be interviewed? Oh, um, I like talking about myself. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's um, a prerequisite that's okay, for yeah. Polly, though. Yeah, like, that's, that's all of us. Well, some of our introvert friends we've had to drag a little more. Out, <laughs> oh, yes, but... that's true. <laughs> um, I think I have a little bit of a different take. Maybe I'm uh, wrong about that, but I think, like, I tend to do things a little differently just in a lot of my identities uh, from other folks. So, for example, right now I am mostly just interested in like friendship plus, I guess. Um, me and Lindsay had discussed the word swally, and if people haven't heard that before, that would be kind of like a swinging polyamory hybrid. And I think that is a fun word to kind of describe. Um, where I'm at, and I don't know if like you have had people interview like from that perspective yet, maybe. I don't think we've really not as a focus. No, definitely. Haven't, like, I think like, maybe yeah. it has come up kind of obliquely, mm -hmm. but. Yeah. And I've but... I've liked to say that um, Swally could also be a poly person um, who swings only with other poly people. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of love that. Um, yeah. But it's not, it's, it's all made up. So it doesn't, I don't know if it has, although you said that there, it was in Urban Dictionary. And so it does yes. have a quote unquote definition. Yes. At least an Urban Dictionary one, which again <laughs> is also made up. <laughs> yeah. So right now I'm like going to play parties and meeting with people um, and really having both like emotional connections and physical connections, but not really going on dates or like um, exploring and I mean, I'm pretty new to this, mm -hmm. so like I mentioned, so who knows? But like, that's kind of where I'm at of this, like, it's not swinging. And also I'm kind of doing it by myself. My partner, um, like I mentioned, I've been in a long-term relationship for three and a half years, um, is also exploring things, but completely separate from me, which is really interesting. And I think maybe a little different than other people do. Right, that's certainly not the connotation that swinging has. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so we, we kind of mentioned solo swally. <laughs> so that was exactly what I wanted to talk about, actually. Yeah. I'm so glad that came up. So tell me more about this concept. Um, so it's not that we don't, like, play together um, with other people, but it's not the focus. I think we're both just kind of exploring our own connections. So whereas I tend to, like I mentioned, I make friends with people and then through that connection find like, oh, I'm physically attracted to you or like we also have this kind of bond. Uh, my partner is more so like I want to go on Tinder dates and do adventures and like maybe that'll set, end up in something physical. So it's, it's similar but different. And I think because we have different needs that we want met, we're doing it in a very different way, but like really inter interested in each other's process. 
<laughs> so one of my partners is really interested in exploring swinging. And we went to a swinging bar takeover last weekend. And it was kind of awful. Oh, no. <laughs> like... <laughs> like I mean, it seemed like it was very much people who were trying really hard. No. And was it themed? It was. <laughs> it was it nineties themed? It was. Uh, I got an invite to that, but I was like, no. Yeah, no, you made the right call. <laughs> yeah. Um so we we had like one conversation with another couple there and it started by this woman grabbing me by the back of my neck and sticking her tongue down my throat. Oh no. Which, you know, normally I prefer to say hello first. Oh, my God. Um yeah. you know, like I don't know that I go all the way to the sort of full poly stereotype of I have to really know you and have this deep connection with you before we can do that. Right. But I I do want to know your name We're and consent. like have a con- right exactly nice like let's too. have a conversation because yeah. you know <laughs> can I kiss you can yeah. be really sexy and 100%. I probably would have said yes right but instead it was like uh um uh, uh. yeah <laughs> right yeah and I think that's actually part of the reason why I would say I don't identify with swinging culture is that there is a lot of. And maybe stereotypes, but also, like, true stereotypes in some cases. <laughs> in some cases, yeah. It's, yeah. like, in some communities, in some parties, like, consent isn't taken into consideration. Um, right. People are just very, I, I guess, loosey-goosey is a very, like, easy way of saying it, but they just don't care. I don't know. It's very weird. Yeah. Because I, I feel like, especially in the poly community, yeah, we... We care a lot. Right. We care Consent a lot. Is a lot. Really important. It's yeah. Super important. And and yeah, and, and that they're also often not very inclusive and right. not very you know, they don't allow by men inside. I know even with uh you know, some of the swinger parties that uh, or club takeovers or whatever in Milwaukee, they specifically have like a couple registration price. Single women get in free and by men or, or single men, not by that but necessarily, but single men aren't allowed at all or they pay double well, the couple I think fee. that's really interesting because a lot I think that's something that's some variation of that seems really common in the sort of swinger defined universe and even in places that are much more explicitly inclusive like the swing set takes desire is still like couples and triads yep yeah. and you know as a person who identifies as solo poly like it sounds like an amazing trip, and I think I would love to go. Yeah. And I have no idea how yeah. <laughs> I would make that work. Like, yeah. I don't see that as something that's realistic in any of my existing relationships. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah a lot of people that are solo poly have to find another solo poly person to go with, which works out sometimes. And sometimes they meet there, which is really funny. The first time I was there, our friends and on the swing set, uh, Chris Pent and Dr. Liz met there and they roomed with one another. Oh, that's Yeah, because they're both solo poly. And I was like, well, that's perfect. They even, like, I think Chris even got her a little ring pop and, like, here, you're my you're my partner for the week, uh, weekend or whatever. Oh, that's <laughs> like, adorable. No, you're my fake partner for the week. Um, so that was really funny. But, so, but how would you even find something like that? Like, I think they, they found each other through the swing set yeah. uh, in mm. that community. And, and luckily, there's, um, like, w- through that trip, they... Uh, talk a lot online everyone who's interested mm-hmm. in going so they found each other through the community but yeah that would be it, it's difficult i yeah. imagine if you especially you don't if you don't know anybody in the community then you can't really do that right then and there's no hook into a community like yeah. that yeah i don't want to i definitely don't want to make it sound like i think that all swinging people are the same no because a lot of people do they're this not very differently um i think largely swinging also has a focus more on sex and that being the focus and 
terms of the folks that I've talked to who identify as swingers. Um, and I, I'd agree that that's part of what I look for, but like, also, like I said, the connection piece, and that can be really different. I mean, I can connect with someone in an hour and feel comfortable with them, or maybe it'll take like talking to them three or four times, you yeah, know? Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there's swinging people that agree with that too, but, um, so I think that I'm outside of either boundary necessarily. Mm -hmm. I am. Well, and I think that there's a lot of space between that yes. a lot of us occupy, mm -hmm. but trying to figure out how to articulate that can be really challenging. Fun words like swally. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> no. We make up our own language. <laughs> But I mean, really, like our, the language is kind of inadequate. And so yeah. we sort of have to make up our own language to try to articulate the things that we're looking for or we want or we value. I think it also helps if you do find yourself in communities that don't necessarily have the same values as you, like don't really, you know, understand good consent. Um, it's nice to have those labels to to at least kind of like set yourself apart and if they don't know your label you can explain it if you say i'm swally they'll be like what the hell are you talking about they can you can you can say well i i don't necessarily play with um people i don't know i kind of have to establish at least a friendship and then they can decide oh that's not what i'm interested in and walk away especially if it's at like a bar takeover or they can be like that's really cool that's kind of what me and my partner are doing too you know because there's so many people we've seen even at like uh, talk to at work and stuff like that. I don't know. Do you want to talk about oh, the fact yeah. that you work? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so we work together at the tool shed and yeah. <laughs> uh, there are people who talk to us all the time about, you know, wanting inclusive and like queer friendly play parties and they just don't know that they exist. Right. Yeah. And that definitely is a place where you meet a lot of different folks talking about different experiences. At the tool shed. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Uh, I did kind of want to uh, ask about, so you, you said you don't really date, uh, which is kind of uh, interesting and definitely unique when it comes yeah. to like poly folks and just like ethical non-monogamy in general. Dating is like the cornerstone of what we do. Right. And, but um, forming these connections, I'm sure it's not just at parties. Like, right. do you kind of feel like chatting online is like your form of dating or... Yeah, that probably is part of it, and just hanging out with people individually. And that's not to say I wouldn't go on dates, um, but just that I wouldn't necessarily define, like, I'm dating this other person, right. you know? Oh, yeah. um, it's more casual than that. Yeah, and I mean... Or maybe more it, amorphous. <laughs> yeah, right. and casual, it doesn't even necessarily have to be casual, because that can be a really intimate relationship with yeah, that person. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but... Yeah, I think it it's hard to describe. But right, yeah, yeah. There definitely is, like, a we talk to each other component um, and all kinds of other hangouts, mm -hmm. but not, like, necessarily, like, I am going out on a date with you in order to develop romance, in mm -hmm. order to become your partner, in order to, you know, yeah. that kind of, like sequence of events that sometimes the relationship escalator yeah. escalator yes yeah so i'm yeah. kind of like taking the stairs the spiral staircase I don't know. <laughs> that's an awesome metaphor i love it <laughs> but like the staircase doesn't go up or down it's, it's the, kind of the mc escher staircase yes. you know where oh, you're just like perfect. as soon as i reach the top i'm gonna go sideways <laughs> yes exactly like yeah. oh the staircase can go anywhere yeah. it doesn't have to go up yes. <laughs> 
it has to go somewhere, but yeah. where it goes, who knows? We're just walking. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's really interesting. And I also think that a lot of, like, Swally folks do a lot of group hangouts. Yes. Because there's a lot of group dynamics. There's a lot of group sex. There's a yeah. lot of group friendships. And so when you want to hang out with uh, other people, it just makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Totally. I totally agree with that. There's a lot of, like, oh, I connect with you and you connect with them. And, like, if we all hung out, How great would that be? Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we I've I've been on some amazing uh, like polycule dates. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, like, yeah. get everybody dates, together yes. and let's all go do a fun thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which it, might or might not involve romantic connection in the moment, but like everybody wants to be part of the thing cuz it's right. a fun thing and there are fun people and plus it also kind of I think well I, I wouldn't call uh a, a, like a, a partner of a casual partner a metamor but like there's something i don't know they're like right. they're connected in they're some a way friend, yeah. at least, hopefully um we so come up with that oh, fun really? term yesterday oh, I think. oh um it was just like people who would be <laughs> um people who would not necessarily be your metamor but like someone you're like having relations with might be your metafuck. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no, not necessarily right. love involved, so you wouldn't want to use a more as a root word. But right. they, uh, yeah, maybe if you, if it's the partner of your fuck buddy, they're your metafuck. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's crazy, but I love it. I wish that the people listening could see the two of your faces as you're talking about this, because it's completely adorable and hilarious. <laughs> Metafuck. We'll have to put that in a lexicon somewhere it, and add it to make Urban it Dictionary. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Metafuck. <laughs> the partner of your fuck buddy. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's an interesting like because then that's a spectrum too. Like, well, there's meta more and there's meta fuck, but is there a meta friend? Like, yeah. you know, where does no, that exactly. fall into that? Yeah, and I would like say that a lot of the people who would be like the metafuck are also my friends. Too, right. You know yes. what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just, um, I'm, and I'm new to the Milwaukee poly community, so I'm meeting all these people at once, kind of, in a way, and just being like, oh, you're cool, and you're cool, and you're cool. Oh, my gosh, everyone's so shiny and new. And, yeah. um, so in that way, it's, it's a great experience and overwhelming at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and I love, you know, to draw out the polycule. Like, I'm just a I'm visual thinker that way. Yeah. And then it's like, well, okay, but how many, you know, starbursts out do you go, right? Right. <laughs> there's dashed lines right exactly and And then the (laughs) amorphous fuzzy sexy people yeah (laughs) and i am definitely an amorphous fuzzy sexy person (laughs) you are absolutely (laughs) i do want to take a short break so uh we'll be right back the toolshed is a mission-driven education-based sex toy store located in milwaukee wisconsin More than your typical adult store, the Toolshed provides quality, body-safe products that enhance the sexual lives and relationships of their customers, and they do it all in a comfortable, compassionate, and welcoming atmosphere. Not located near Milwaukee? That's okay. The Toolshed's online shop at www.toolshedtoys.com serves customers all over the world. 
The Toolshed strives to be the source for accurate, up-to-date information about sexual health and pleasure. Their store is staffed by sexual educators who are invested in providing sex-positive and inclusive support to their customers throughout their lifespan, no matter where they're from. The Toolshed stocks a large selection of products made from body-safe materials. They have sex toys for folks of all genders, orientations, and inclinations, including gear for strap-on play, vibrators to stimulate a variety of body parts, BDSM gear, kink supplies, and much more. The Toolshed is also proud to offer a large inventory of gender expression supplies like binders, soft packers, shaping underwear, and breast forms. Last but not least, the Toolshed stocks lots of great books on topics like ethical non-monogamy, how to negotiate consent, kinky play, sexual pleasure, sexual health, and so much more. They've got over 500 different titles in stock at their Milwaukee location and host a regular monthly book club too. Every day, the Toolshed staff answers questions about products, pleasure, health, and relationships, all without shame or stigma. The Toolshed also offers in-person and online private consultations for people who have in-depth questions about any of those things, as well as other subjects like communication and relationships, establishing healthy boundaries, fertility basics, alternative menstrual products, and other topics folks deal with every day as sexual beings. You can visit the Toolshed in person at 2427 North Murray Avenue in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or you can check out our online store at www.toolshedtoys.com. From now through the end of 2019, you can use promo code POLY2019, P-O-L-Y-2019, at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. Thanks. And we're back. Was there anything you wanted to uh, clarify about, like, Swally life? Swally life. Um, well, I just... That's a good question. I don't know. I think that, like, one thing that I really think is growing just not even in, like, the swinging community or the polyamorous community, but just at large as people who are... Um, you know, we use these identities to kind of find community and like find each other and kind of like describe ourselves but then a lot of people find oh this doesn't exactly fit me right like oh but there's this exception um and I think it's just like knowing that it's okay to not define yourself in exact ways I love adding identities onto my I was just gonna ask how do you feel about labels yeah Yeah, and I don't I have no problem with labels I just like to use a lot of them Mm -hmm. so like I identify as non-binary and um, I've recently come up with the term androfem like androgynous (laughs) femme Mm -hmm. um, identify as queer Um, so like there's a lot of these different identities that you can use simultaneously without necessarily defining yourself Mm -hmm. and I think like that's a powerful thing to say like and I mean I I've never really actually seriously used the word swally to be like hi I'm swally nice (laughs) to meet you (laughs) like um, Polly did you say (laughs) your name was Polly (laughs) (laughs) right um but like that you know it's it's kind of this great thing about you know non-monogamy is that we don't we don't have to necessarily say this is exactly what this means like if you say you are polyamorous, you have to be like this. Or if you say that you're swinging, you have to be like this. Um, well, and that's something that's really interesting, I think, in some of the like websites and other podcasts. Like There are people who I think articulate that very inclusive vision that I think yeah. you're articulating that I think we share. Um, but I've had other, like I've listened to other podcasts where like, if you're single, you can't be a swinger. It's against the definition of swinger. Like, 
Or if you're single, you can't you. be poly. Yeah. Like some people definitely yeah. believe if you're single, you can't be poly because that's a it's a, an action like it's you know it's you're doing poly you're not mm. it's not an identity and you're doing it wrong mm-hmm. yeah. right. that gatekeeping is just we don't have time for that we're not here <laughs> no. long enough right. to be telling anyone else what they should and shouldn't call themselves um especially when like all of these things i like to say that like all of these words are made up we've made them all up yeah i mean not just like identities all of the words mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we get to take that and use that as we want. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that is a really liberating thing. Um, and it, it's still really comforting to like have these identities to say like, oh, we are both non-monogamous. Like this means we have something in common um, without having to say like, we're exactly the same and we have to be the same in order to be this. Um, yeah, it definitely makes things easier. I would say that, you know, after being poly for 12 years, I gravitate towards other poly people. Yeah. Like, I will occasionally talk to people on, like, Tinder and OkCupid who are single and monogamous, but it has never worked out. So sometimes I'm just like, yeah, why do I bother? This that's, is ridiculous. It's really interesting that you say that because one of the reasons why I eventually was like, oh, gosh, I probably am non-monogamous is when I realized that all of my friends were, like, coming out as poly, yeah. like, outside of this, um, the larger community, just, like, individually. They're like, oh, by the way, I'm also dating multiple people. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably me, too. I probably should really, like, do some reflection on that. And I feel like there are two trains of thought in the like poly world and Connie Minx likes to say date within your species meaning like date other poly folks <laughs> it's probably going to work out better they've got that uh, established in their right. life and it's not something that you're thrusting upon them and then I've heard a lot uh, from the multi-amory crew which is I they're awesome podcast. yeah I love the podcast too but they definitely date single people single monogamous yeah. people and then um you know they have to and we like to say pollinate you know change them <laughs> into being either poly or uh, at least poly accepting poly adjacent and yes. so and i feel like that's way more difficult but if you're up for a challenge i guess you know like that's cool too yeah yeah and that kind of reminds me of like the the queer people who will date straight people just to like Maybe this will work out. <laughs> right. and I'm like, Maybe I can good change for them. You, yeah. you would do that. And that's a little bit out of my comfort zone. <laughs> right. Well, one of my partners identifies as, like, he does not identify as Polly. Yeah. And, you know, yes. when we were talking about going to this swinger event, you know, we were talking about, like, okay, well, if we meet people, like, how do we want to identify ourselves? Because that is a community that's heavily married people. And there's mm-hmm. definitely, like, this sort of couple's orientation to this he was like well you know we can say like you're poly and i'm single and we're friends and like that's a whole lot to do in the introduction (laughs) Mm -hmm. like i'm not disagreeing with you and i don't want you to say anything that's going to make you uncomfortable and maybe circumstantially there are labels of convenience that we could use in the first five minutes of talking to somebody yeah (laughs) like Like even partner right Well, I suggested boyfriend and girlfriend circumstantially, and that was comfortable for him under the circumstances. But it was really interesting to see, like, the impulse towards the full (laughs) exposition. Mm -hmm. And I get that. I mean, like, we're sitting here talking about how great some of these labels can be and how interesting they are to talk about and, you know... But put over on loud music, the, yeah. like, right, right, yeah, exactly. And like, you don't always difficult. necessarily want like the whole first conversation to be about you, true, right? Yeah, like, fair. Well, that's really interesting because I'm thinking about my experience at play parties, which I've found 
kind of different. Like, I don't think that conversation for me has come up as much where somebody's like, and who are you in terms of your non-monogamous identity? It's just kind of like, almost like more of a, we both kind of know what's going on here at least. Right. In... Do we feel like we want to explore this with each other? Right. Or do we just want to get a glass of wine? Right, right. Well, I feel like with um, a lot of like swinging culture that um, includes uh, swapping so much, yeah. it's and and I've been in this situation where someone is like, who are you with? Like, immediately, like, a couple um, approaches you and is just like, where's your other half? We need to know if this will work out. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm a person. Like, hello, first. <laughs> um, you know, and uh, and I feel like, like, kind of queer play parties don't operate that way. One, there's a lot of solo poly people. There are people yeah. who come by themselves. And there are people who aren't interested in group sex or, you know, the dynamics of swapping. Um, and so I feel like people are treated as individuals a lot more often and not just like, who are you with and how can we make this work with my other half? Right. Can like, I round right? you up? Can yeah. they round you down? Mm-hmm. Whatever. Yeah. That's totally true. And that's one reason why I would say I'm kind of solo, you know, doing this is because like my partner can be involved, but it's not like we move as a unit. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think is really healthy i mean i'm sure there's people that are successfully doing the like we make all of our decisions together about who each other sees and who each other sleeps with and things like that but um i think it's it's a little better for me to be like having that kind of on my own and letting Mm -hmm. my partner do that on their own and i think that you're absolutely right that that's kind of how it happens at play parties i actually reflect back to my first play party who i where i went with somebody Um, I didn't know very well, but like had a connection with, we had talked online and, um, we played that night and then everyone was like, oh, is that your partner? And I'm like, oh no, (laughs) (laughs) No, I actually don't really know that person (laughs) super well, but like we connect well. Um, but like, there's almost like this, um, idea that like, oh, well that person is with that person because they are there together. And that's really interesting. And I think it's it's nice um, for parties to allow people to not play at all, you know, yeah, like, which yeah. I, I know um, plenty of people who would love to go to parties or, or do love to go to parties just to be exhibitionists and just to play with their established partners. And that's, like, fully acceptable in some realms. And I feel like in some swinger parties, they might just be like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. you got to swap. You got to yeah. do why something. Did you come yeah, here why did you come here? If yeah. it's just to play with each other. Yeah. Some of my best play party experiences were chatting with people I really like while sex is happening in the room. <laughs> and yeah. it's just like, oh, this is like, this is amazing. We're just like, and not necessarily even about anything sexual. We're just having a conversation in a, in a, in a realm where sex is possible. Mm-hmm. There's something so amazing about that environment and that, kind of like acceptance and it's kind of like a space outside of typical reality mm-hmm. that's really really awesome um just... i think that is very true like there's sort of this lovely bubble yeah. quality to it that is a kind of a form of intimacy that's not really available mostly in the world right and like even just going into walking into the host's house and just like you almost feel this like tangible like um air of possibility <laughs> if you will. Um, just like anything could happen here in a like way that's really healthy and consensual right I, I feel like it's like a an energy or an atmosphere that yeah it's like 
it's different than anywhere yeah. else. And, yeah. Yeah. I feel that way about the tool shed too, where people walk in and they're like, oh, I can say the word vulva here. <laughs> right. It's not weird. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. I don't have to giggle every time someone says right. penis. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we can use words. Or giggle. It's fine. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. <laughs> Giggling is good too. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that unique experience is something that really has been something I love about going to play parties, but also just like having, and I guess you could call them like micro parties with (laughs) like people um, that I really connect with um, and all of that. I guess, is there a difference than a part from a party than like a, uh, I don't know, a group? Yeah. What makes a party? What makes What's, what is a play party? Maybe like, like, how do you define a play party? There's at least a couple people that don't know each other yet. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there are parties where every single person person knows one another, even if it's 30 people, like every other person knows every other person. But, um, it must be a size thing. Cause I feel like there's, you know, you can have a threesome, you can have a foursome Mm -hmm. or like a swap or, you know, some kind of sum. (laughs) Yeah. Some kind of sum. And then I think above four, it gets into orgy territory, (laughs) you know, especially if everyone's involved with everyone else, maybe it's above like six is a party yeah right i don't know because that's that's more than three couples three couples sounds like a small amount right so four or more couples yeah, no, let's, but then do, we do really it, have to make this all couple-y? Yeah. couples. What yeah. if it was seven individuals? Seven individuals. <laughs> what if it was yeah. four individuals? I yeah. Mean, yeah. But aren't playing with, because yeah. then that's a foursome. I don't know. But, I mean, they might yeah. be. We but they might not all. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It sounds like this is another thing where the definitions are pretty amorphous. Yeah. And amorphous and fuzzy. Yes. <laughs> amorphous, fuzzy, sexy people. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Totally that is my favorite thing. Maybe it's a party if I need you're to write that down. having a good time. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I think it is. Like, yeah. um, I, I felt just as like much of an atmosphere of that with the small group parties, mm-hmm. I guess, um, that I have in like the larger group parties. Um, so I, I think that there's just like that really exciting but also it's not just like oh I came here to have sex and that's what I'm here for it's also like I'm here to connect with people and watch people connect with each other in a consensual way um and just like really feel that energy from other people yeah like less sexually goal oriented right yeah if I leave a party and I didn't have penetrative sex that's absolutely fine and like that's the normal experience I think almost and um, that's totally good. And I had a great time and I met a new person or I made out with a new friend. And, um, so I think that that's something that's, especially probably for queer parties is something that's maybe really awesomely unique. Well, and I think also like that possibility of mm-hmm. a sexual connection, even if yes. you are goal oriented about it, that it's sort of like, you're open to it. The space is open to it. It could, that connection, it's like a, the groundwork has been laid for that connection to be possible. Or in so much of the world, like that connection is diminished and harder to make. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if this is true for everybody, but for me, sometimes flirting and kind of like gentle touching of the arm and like a little kiss and a like a very, very cute, like, eye contact and a wink can be more like exciting than just like having sex and like that can happen yeah, all over we were just place. talking about the other day like a good um like a head scratch is sometimes oh way gosh. better than sex 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've definitely found myself in some really good head spaces around <laughs> some head massages. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'm not quite prepared to go that far, but, <laughs> but you do you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that that is something that really spans the bounds of what has to be. Okay, so... Um, so another reason why I asked you to be on the podcast is because we are actually going to be teaching a class together yes. on May 16th, 2019, in case this is <laughs> listened to years from now. Um, and maybe we'll do it multiple times. We'll have the class a bunch if it goes well. Um, and that is going to be at our job, the tool shed at 830. And it is called Ethical Indulgences, Hosting Inclusive Play Parties for Everybody. I'm just going to read over the class description real quick to give you guys an, an overview of what we want to um, relay in this class. Have you ever fantasized about having a threesome, swapping partners with another couple, jumping into an orgy, or hosting a play party? Lots of people love the fantasy, but few know how to make it a reality. There are many ways to get it right and exponentially more ways to get it wrong. Hosts Lindsay Miller and Kayla teach you how to host an ethical, sex-positive, and consent-focused play party and what all of those things mean. How to get involved in the sex-positive and queer communities and how to create a welcoming, non-creepy space to have amazing, sexy fun. This class is welcoming to all people of all genders, orientations, sizes, and abilities. And again, that's May 16th at the Tool Shed at 8.30. And what made you want to create this class with me? Yeah, well, Lindsay and I have talked about kind of like how play parties work for, I think, a, a while now and just kind of like brainstorming. like well, Probably almost a year. Yeah, yeah. about. And um, so I think like there's, there's a lot of things that maybe aren't included in a typical class that we kind of thought that we could bring to the table especially um, with our like queer identities, I'm non-binary, like keeping that in mind, um, and just like throwing queer body positive, sex positive uh, parties just in general, I think really is something that um, a lot of these classes, and now this, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that, are taught by men. And I think that there's something really uniquely awesome about having this taught by two queer femmes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and I think for a lot of the reasons that we've stated previously, there is a bit of a need for for these kind of parties, but then also maybe swaying um, the mindsets of people that already go to very traditional, very kind of like strict rule swing right. swinger clubs and parties to maybe be like hey you know what would make it even um, better and you can allow more amazing people into your parties make it inclusive make it queer um like make it better you know? yeah. <laughs> um and i think that i'm hoping my hope is that there will be people that come who have never hosted a party who have never gone to a party people who have gone to hundreds of parties, right. you know, like, I, I hope it runs a gamut of people who are interested in and in doing this on their own, but then also maybe changing their mindset about how they have already thrown them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's no end to the ways you can make something more inclusive and more thoughtful. So I think that there's no, I wouldn't say there's an entry level on this class in terms of like, oh, this is mostly for beginners. I think it's mm -hmm. really like, I think we all can really talk about this and have a discussion and then like give some tips and things like that about ways in which 
these things can become even better. Absolutely. I mean, when you guys first started talking about this before we actually went on the air or on the pod, um, (laughs) before we started recording, there we go. That's how we say this. Like, as soon as you started talking about it, I was like, wait, when? What? What? Let me pull up my calendar. I mean, it just sounds like amazing and fun and like a really great way to connect with people around a common goal of like creating these spaces that are really fun and playful and inclusive and wonderful for everybody. Right. I think that there's no downside to making this space more inclusive um, to everybody and everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And that's something we really didn't talk about, but that us being from Wisconsin, I feel like our bodies are maybe a little different than the ones that are uh, depicted in the media when it comes to sex clubs and uh, swingers parties and stuff. I feel like it's often um, depicted and and in my experience, it's not the case, but also I've only gone to parties in the Midwest, you know, like so it's depicted as being very uh, typical, uh, societally, conventionally conventionally attractive folks um and and i also see that a lot on swingers websites is like here's the poster for the party and it's this you know waifish really big breasted lady and she's wearing nothing essentially uh and usually they don't depict guys which is kind of funny it's just like always a bunch of women (laughs) how many um, posts or like <laughs> Tinder profiles have you seen where it's like I'm this size and th- my girlfriend's this size and we're looking for someone who has this size breasts and whatever. Right? And it's yeah, like, it's like they're looking for a, a real doll. Like, yeah. right. like yeah. just buy a real doll. Unicorn Jesus Christ! Is yeah. definitely a whole different topic. <laughs> yeah, it is, and we will definitely get to that <laughs> one day. Yeah, um, maybe a couple episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, f- I find that when it comes to inclusive of body body size, it might not be what people necessarily think of right off the bat, but it's super important. And, and, and you can make someone feel unwelcome just by the picture on your poster or Facebook event or, you know, and, and that's not, that's not cool. And yeah, I kind of just want to let people know that there are ways of being better about it. Right. And everybody is sexy to somebody. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't have to be attracted to somebody for other people to find them attractive. So, right. like, maybe they are should be welcome to your party because other people are, that's going to be their thing. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a really fun class. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. About it. <laughs> I'm definitely going to have to figure out how I'm going to manage my life so I can make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything else about, I mean, now that we're on the topic about, like, play parties that you see as being a positive force for the community because not everybody that's poly or yeah. ethically non-monogamous goes to parties by any means but um i kind of find them to be a bit revolutionary especially in our community yeah and i don't know if you have any thoughts on that or, or yeah you know. i feel like it's growing in terms of interest too i feel like there is this stereotype of like the 70s orgy mm-hmm. and maybe it wasn't the 70s but like of this like the key of, parties were the right. 70s i feel like yeah, yeah yeah um and now it's like becoming i i think maybe more normalized again maybe not <laughs> <laughs> but like i really think that there is something really amazing about saying like we can go to this space where sex is possible um sexiness is probably happening um, and like without expectations and without like 
disappointment if something doesn't happen and have this space that is there, that exists, that we can create together. Um, it's really cool. It's really, really cool. Um, and I think that that is something that really breaks down the rules and the norms that have been set. And so even the act of going to a party, doing nothing at all, and just having that space be there is revolutionary. And breaking boundaries of what um, might be defined as like what should happen um, with relationships and couplings and all of that. So I think that that is maybe answering your question. Well, and I think related and tying it back into the everybody idea is like really seeing people who are real people, ordinary people, your friends who you see in other contexts in these more sexualized comments. Like it normalizes, like everybody's got, you know, belly fat or everybody's got like some unusual thing about their body that's not like mine or not like yours or whatever, where like you really, you can see how everyone can be beautiful and how everyone can be sexy. And even if you don't feel necessarily a sexual attraction to a specific individual, like you can still see that they they see themselves in that light, other people are seeing them in that way, and it's that I think is very revolutionary. Absolutely. Everybody is sexy, you know, and it it might like you said it might not be that person is directly attractive to you but like there's things that you can relate to and other people too like to say like oh that person is i find that person's fat rolls really sexy actually and now i can see that in myself and say like yeah i'm sexy too why, why do i worry about this like kind of thing where like a space where um and this is a larger term of fat phobia mm-hmm. maybe doesn't exist in the same way and it's really awesome mm-hmm. when i was about six months pregnant with my now teenager um, i went to a naturalist resort and it was absolutely amazing to just see all these different naked bodies and it wasn't like I didn't see any sex I didn't see anything even approaching sex it was just people hanging out literally Um, Mm -hmm. but it was amazing to just really see people being comfortable in their bodies seeing a huge range of body types seeing the ways in which bodies are similar and the ways in which bodies are different and just like being comfortable with it and I think even taking the you know not going all the way to a sexual step of it but just like the normalizing of our bodies is really revolutionary yeah absolutely i fully agree with that but then being able to see how much fun people can have with them too is even better (laughs) and then yeah (laughs) and then there's more (laughs) Uh, i also think that um you know, making them accessible in other ways, like for folks that uh, don't have any money, because some yeah. swing parties can be very expensive to go to, or are, say, in a wheelchair. You know, yeah. like, there are so many ways that you can make accessible a word that's very vague and broad, like mean dozens of things. And the more ways you can think about accessibility, I think the better and more welcoming an atmosphere you can create. So, and I don't think that most, like, clubs and parties are accessible to most people you know like to to a lot of folks and i think that unfortunately 
having an exclusive nature is the point in a lot of these parties. Oh my God, I've got some ad recently for like, you know, this sort of like 1% type of like swinging community. You must have a yacht. I mean, it was literally like the <laughs> thousands of dollars to come to their yeah. dinner to be interviewed for possible inclusion in their uh, crazy fancy sex parties. Like, I'm all about not yucking yums, but that... Right, just right. It just felt me. really strange. Like, I, I mean... I would far prefer to bring a bag of chips and a bowl of dip and go to somebody's house (laughs) and, you know, or if like it's a broke day and all I can bring is my happy face, like that's okay too. If they're not okay with that, it's not the party you want to go to. Right. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Is there anything else you want to say? Anything last plug for the class? Any other classes? Oh, we do also have other classes at the tool shed. Um, those can be found on our website. Um, Which is? Toolshedtoys.com. And I think slash events is where you're going to find all of those events. We do take summer off because we're doing a lot of stuff for Pride. We are going to be uh, tabling at the Milwaukee Pride. So that's going to be really fun. Yeah. But I, uh, yeah, I don't know off the top of my head all of the different classes that we have coming up this spring we do have a lot though like it's like a massage class mm, there's a flirting class oh yeah yeah um uh, we just had a ropes class uh so yeah so there's a lot uh it's really fun and we always have classes at the tool shed we do take we do take that uh summer off and if this class goes well which our last class that we did together uh sold out twice like we had it uh we had to have it again because it sold out so fast also on non-monogamy yes yeah the Loving more was that what it's called? Infinite ways to love. Infinite ways to love and play. Yes, I've heard that made a podcast too. It did. Yes, because the uh, Life on the Swing Set crew, uh, Dylan and Cooper, were on were on that panel. Uh, They recorded it, and you guys can listen it to it on their podcast. I'll link in the show notes what number that is because it wasn't that long ago. No, it was recent. Um, But yeah, so that was our last class that we did together, and. This one, yeah, if it goes well, we will do that. We will hold the class again. And we've already had a couple of people that are like, I hope you teach it again because I'm going to be out of town. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, so totally. yeah, we're excited about it. We totally are. And I mean, other things to say, I mean, just keep being awesome. <laughs> Both That's of you. That's a great, great <laughs> this podcast ending. podcast is doing a really great thing for people and like hearing all of these kind of anecdotal, but like important viewpoints, because I think sometimes... There's this idea that any identity, any identity is like this bubble. And it's just like these people who are kind of in a like-minded state and they all do things the same way. And really, like, I think this opens up the possibilities of all of the different ways we exist and we play and we love. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming in and being interviewed here. Yeah, thanks a lot. (laughs) This was really fun. All right, so that is it from us at Polyamory Uncensored. We have been Lindsay Miller. And Katie Williams. We'd like to thank my husband, Rob, for helping us through our many sound issues and thank myself for editing the podcast so we sound smart. You can follow us on Facebook at Polyamory Uncensored. Contact us at polyamoryuncensored at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support us at all, you can send us a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash polyamoryuncensored and simply click on the support this podcast button. We will forever be grateful for any contribution you can manage to making this podcast better and more efficient. We hope you have enjoyed this episode and remember, we love you. Bye. Bye.